With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For sure. 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 For sure, sure, for sure. For sure. For sure, sure, for sure. For sure. For sure, sure, for sure. For sure. Welcome to another episode of For Sure, a 200 foot podcast. I'm Peter. And I'm Jay. Oh, just kidding. No, it's Sarah again. She's back. <laughs> she is back. She is. Um. She is. She is. She is definitely uh, going up the list of uh, 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 filling co-hosts for our show. Uh, right now, she is at two, and everybody else is at zero. Uh, so she is dramatically <laughs> rising up the list. Uh, like I said, she is our Joan Rivers, uh, and we are very happy to have her. Um, also, we are very happy to have uh, joining us today uh, for uh, what I'm sure is going to be a fun episode is uh, Andrew Thomas. Uh, so I always try to say this at the end, but just just so I don't forget, right? Uh, you can find him on Twitter, AC Thomas uh, CA, um, and. According to his bio there, he's director of data science, multi-sport statistician, retired stat prof, and as seen twice on that game show, which is definitely something we're going to talk about. Uh, so, Andrew, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? Or are you folks? Yeah. How are you folks doing? <laughs> Pretty good. Good in pandemic-adjusted terms. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm cooped up here in the, in the living room. It's a sunny day outside. The... Uh, you know the the pollen's also murder right now, so I'm I'm uh, just happy to be inside with the fan on talking to y'all. Yeah, and um, for our listeners at home, uh, I don't like I, I tested out. I don't think it's going to be a problem. I have I have a small fan going on in my kitchen because if I didn't, I would be sweating uh, bullets because it is absolutely disgusting here. Um, typically, I re- well a lot of times I record upstairs. I can't even record upstairs because it's so hot. It's like eighty degrees upstairs. Uh, and it's only May, so I'm not putting in air conditioners. That's ridiculous. Uh, oh boy. As, as much as I kind of want to, but you got to wait. Um, you got to power through. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. Put your head down. Get through <laughs> it. So actually, I, I want to start with a question that is um, kind of completely different from anything. Uh, I was just thinking of it, uh, looking at your Twitter bio or your Twitter uh, you know, homepage or whatever. Um, so you, as well as I do, you have uh, at least one dog. Is it one dog or more dogs? I have one dog. Her yeah. name is Tesla. Uh, she was named uh, for the scientist, uh, not the car or the uh, rock band, but I'll, if anybody ever asks, sure, why not? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Otherwise you have to change the name to like X1 AE or whatever. A- AE 12. <laughs> I don't know if he's <laughs> John Lovett had an amazing joke about that where he, you know, he basically said, you know, it's, it's written as blah, 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 but it's pronounced strong password. <laughs> <laughs> um, so actually I, I have a question for you just cause I'm, I'm cur- I'm genuinely curious outside of the realm of the podcast. Um, 
ever since we had to start, um, you know, I'm a teacher, uh, Nikki's an occupational therapist, my wife, um, you know, so we've been, I've been pretty much home almost all the time now. Uh, she, go, you know, she's able to go to work a little bit sometimes, but ever since then, our, our newest dog, Eddie has just been like a shadow, like, like j- just like <laughs> wants, constantly wants attention. So I'm just curious, like, have you noticed anything like that with your dog? Like, like different behaviors? Cause a lot of people I've talked to have been saying the same thing. Well, there's normally just one of me here, so when I'm gone for the day, she's excited to see me at the end and desperate mm-hmm. for a walk. Hmm. So I guess most of the change in behavior is uh, that she likes having more attention, not from one but two of us who are here pretty much all the time. So she's getting new walks and uh, uh, generally trying to ask for attention as much as possible. But at the same time, she's also a pretty sleepy bear. Like right <laughs> now, she's conked out on the couch in front of me. Uh, often she'll be conked out on the couch behind me and uh, make the occasional appearance on teleconferences and... Uh, uh, Zoom meetings, and she's—I I think she's enjoying the state we're in right now. But mostly for me, the, the biggest observation is that there's more people we can see across the courtyard. There's a puppy who's probably about four or five months old who makes an occasional appearance uh, above and across, uh, who doesn't really know that Tess is around, but it, it instantly piques her interest. So we're definitely noticing that she's she's yearning for that outside world a little more than I was noticing she was doing before. <laughs> yeah, uh, like I said, I mean. Uh, every time I go, like, I could be sitting and sometimes he'll just, like, kind of be chilling on the floor or whatever. Every time I get up, he instantly pops up and he is, like, walking behind me, like, in front of me. Uh, like, I, I really think he teleports. It's like, um, I, like, I'll think he's in front of me and I don't see him. And then I turn around to see if he's behind me and then he's in front of me. I, like, I don't know how he does it. Um, <laughs> Dog magic. Yeah. Best only the best boys and the girls have that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, so as somebody who obviously spends a lot of their time, uh, you know, thinking about hockey, watching hockey, you know, involved in, in hockey, like, how does it how does it feel not to have it? And, like, you know, what are you doing to kind of, I don't know, I don't know fill that void is, is the, the right answer, but. Well, I'm still, like, watching old hockey. Like, there's mm. plenty of stuff that's recorded, and I'm going back over old games and trying to figure out what kind of data structures are there. So that's there's plenty of that. But as far as kind of the entertainment side of things goes, um, I mean, having worked in the front office and watching a lot of hockey there, it was a little weird not to be doing it again as part of my daily routine as, you know, being as committed to how a team was doing specifically compared to, you know, the, the general nerdery that I'm involved in now. Uh, so I guess to fill in that, nerd void i've been watching steve dangles uh greatest hits online i've known him for a long time he's a he's a good uh, a good egg and uh full of entertaining content that reminds me of of days gone by <laughs> uh i know that he's been doing kind of the same thing on his side recording history uh shows things like what happened biggest mistakes and trade trees and just generally uh stimulating stuff that doesn't have to necessarily be fully competitive now and uh making that adjustment's been interesting enough to not having to care on a daily basis how the team does and, and just being able to soak in all the smaller aspects of it without uh, restraint. So, yeah, uh, you know, like I was saying before we started recording, uh, you know, there's there's another subject other than hockey that I do want to spend a lot of time uh, talking about because uh, I think, number one, I think it's interesting. I think our, our listeners are going to think it's interesting. Um but before we do that, you know, you, you mentioned that, you know, you've worked in the past for, uh, you know, for a team. I know I, I know at least one team. Um, and, you know, basically, if you, uh, you know, if you Google uh, you, uh, one of, you know, one of the first things that comes up is about your appearance on that show. And it says right up top, you know, Minnesota Wild and stuff. So, um you know, a lot of times when we talk to people like our listeners are always interested in like 
kind of how that works. And obviously, I know you can't, you know, reveal any, any secrets or anything like that, any inside information. Um, but I guess, I mean, I'll, I'll kind of ask like the basic question. We can, you know, maybe branch off from there. Um, you know, like, how did you how did you go about, you know, getting hired by a team? You know, that's that, that seems to be a question. If you look on Twitter, people are like, how do I get into this? How do I, you know, get to this next level and stuff like that? Well, I guess in my case, um, it helps that I was in a position. Um, I was teaching at Carnegie Mellon for a long time. Uh, in Pittsburgh, and I had a number of students who were involved in doing uh, sports research as one of their focuses. As it turns out, it's a really good way to get people into thinking about numbers, as you may be aware. Mm -hmm. So having a number of students who were working on this, it was easy to start uh, building that into some of my professional research. So I had a number of uh, academic papers that were put out in um, on hockey, baseball. I even have one on Scrabble. If anyone cares about that, I think it's out there in the wild somewhere. <laughs> uh, which which it was a lot of fun to write, but uh, real niche as it turns out, as you can yeah. imagine. But one of the things that came out of that was just realizing that compared to the blog world in particular, there was just less exposure to people really reading it or or getting into it as much. So that's when we started to get out. Uh, well, Sam Ventura was my uh, grad student at the time who was also interested in a lot of these things. He and I had started up waronice.com back in August of 2014, probably about two or three weeks after uh, Daryl Metcalf had left Extra Skater to join the Leafs. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's how we started to get things out there was just catering to more of an audience that was going to, well, in this case, it was an audience that was desperate for content because Extra Skater had gone down and there was no obvious successor. So we started to put ourselves out there, not just replacing what he had done, but putting our own original research out there. And we got some attention from that. And uh, I don't remember the exact timing of it, but I think a few months later uh, is when Sam got hired originally by the Penguins. Hmm. Uh, he had known, <clears throat> they had known that Carnegie Mellon was a, uh, a hotbed of smart people and smart work and Sam got uh, got some attention for that from the people high up and he's still there today and then uh, when I was uh, considering whether or not I wanted to you know stay in academia uh, the opportunity with Minnesota came along because they had seen some of the work that I'd done there and uh, I guess the rest is history at that point yeah for I feel like an idiot I had forgotten that you were you were a part of war on ice um I don't know. It, it's, it's one of those things. It's like I knew it existed and I knew that people, uh, you know, names I recognized were involved in it. But like at the time, I wasn't really I wasn't really involved in that world. Um, you know, I think like, well, when we, I, yeah, when I first started off, I think Corsica was like, you know, the one that I went to. And it was like a lot of the older sites were just, you know, uh, either archived or, or you couldn't get them anymore. Well, we were really lucky in that uh, both the Wild and the Penguins were. Uh, kind enough to let us keep it going until we were able to kind of find new new management. Uh, a lot of places like Extra Skater had shut down completely. Um, uh, General Fanager, I think, had shut down when Tom got hired by the uh, by Vegas, and uh, and same same thing with MC79 Hockey with Tyler Dello when he started up with Edmonton. So a lot of teams had demanded that these things be shut down, even though they were out there, you know, living their life in archive and everything else, and. Uh, the people at the wild in particular said sure you know this is a we we recognize this is a community effort because lots of people had contributed if not directly to the site being a thing but they definitely put in their attention and their time to make sure it was something worth preserving so we uh we stretched that out a few months later after uh, i had gone full-time to see if there was <clears throat> any new kind of either we ourselves find new people to run it or had something else come up and uh 
I built it in such a way. That, I mean, it was not built to be like a commercial product. It was built as a, hey, let's just see what we can get going with this thing. So uh, porting that out turned out to be probably not as worthwhile as other people starting their own sites. And, uh, and Emmanuel Perry in particular started up Corsica probably around that same time. And uh, two years later, just about is when the Ungren twins started up with their evolving hockey. And these things are, have been cycling on on a reasonable scale every couple of years as people uh, appear and disappear from the scene. Mm. And luckily, I think there's enough of a, tra- a track record there from other people that they've left the DNA of that up so that it's been easier for people to kind of adapt uh, their own vision of what they want in a site to what's possible and being able to mount it pretty quickly and spread the word on Twitter and through other people's articles, um, acknowledging that their hard work has been beneficial for, for their own writing. Hmm. Uh, I think it's just been enough of a scene where where that particular environment has been able to thrive. Yeah, I think um, so. I want to I wanted to ask one more question before we transition uh, to the topic I've been alluding to for this this whole time. And it, it probably is kind of like another cliche question, but it's one that people are always interested in. Um, you know, w- what's one thing that you think um, people have like maybe a misconception about? Uh, involved with like you know working for a team like they're thinking like oh one day i'm gonna get to do this and it's gonna be this and this and this uh like 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 what's one big misconception that you think people might have hmm i'd have to think about that in some detail because and well in part not every team works the same way like Hmm. you can get i know one of the reasons that i hesitated to get into it to begin with was the idea that 10 15 years ago the people who had this these responsibilities in teams were kind of relegated to the back room the, the windowless room where they didn't get to share any of, uh, or they got to share with what they were doing with one or two people, but it was mostly for kind of PR purposes. And that role's changed a lot. We have organizations that are out there that are much more public about um, letting numbers influence their decisions a little more explicitly than they were before, or uh, more, more the point, letting better numbers influence their decisions because people will still make the calls based on plus minus and <laughs> uh, just in, in lots of places. So I think... Um, Probably, I guess it does come down to the fact that every front office is a different beast. You, they have a lot of different people with different perspectives, and not the experiences are going to to change based on who you're working with. And that experience can be good, it can be bad. Um, but I know that one of the things that you're going to find is that people who have reached this level are are by and large not stupid. Like they have a lot of experience in this particular area, a lot of intuition that goes into it. They have models; they just live in their heads as opposed to live on computers. So. Most of what they're making their decisions on are based on experience and based on logic. And if you're trying to reach someone who has that level of experience, one of the things you have to do is to learn to think like they do and get them to learn to think like you do. So people are not, most of the people that I've met are not particularly hostile to any of the ideas. They're just as big nerds about this as we are. They just express it differently. So one of the things that I know I learned the most from being the front office perspective is trying to put myself in the framework of a scout or, uh, or a coach or, or, or trying to empathize with them or whatever the logical version of empathize is. Try, trying to put myself in their situation and think, what are they, where is their information coming from and how can I have a meaningful, how can I build a rapport with them that's going to be a meaningful thing? Because if you think you're just going to come in there and blow the doors down with how smart you are, it's never going to happen. <laughs> Yeah, I've definitely heard people say that before. Um, I, you know, maybe at conferences and stuff. Uh, 
you know, pretty much a lot of what you said, but especially that last that last point that, you know, it's not like you're going to be you're going to come in and ride in on a white horse and be everybody's savior and, you know, fix everything. It's like, you know, that's that's not how it works. Um, Micah has that great line about uh, pay me a million dollars and I'll tell you no five times and I'll be worth it. (laughs) And and if only it were that simple. But at the (laughs) same time, I'm willing to bet that. if if someone was also put in that position of authority, they'd make some turkey decisions that would also be worth someone on the other side picking up their million bucks for a job <laughs> <Yeah>. well done. <laughs> exactly. Um, okay, uh, we're gonna take a quick break, um, and when we come back, uh, we are going to um, we're gonna we're gonna get into the topic I've been alluding to a billion times. Uh, so if you're wondering what what show was it, you are gonna find out in just a minute or a couple minutes, depending on how long the ads are. And welcome back. Um, so, what uh, you know, what I wanted to talk about um, is uh, one of the things that I mentioned in the uh, uh, in Andrew's Twitter bio, where it says, "As seen twice on that game show." Right. So, um, Andrew has actually um, presented on uh, trivia at was it the Rochester conference? Yeah. Yeah, it was Red yeah. Hack nineteen. Yes. Um, and it was one of my favorite uh, presentations because I think it's a very interesting uh, topic. It's something I've always been interested in. So um, basically, he was on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Uh, he did very well. Um, and uh, as we might get into in a little bit, he, he also became famous for, for something else while he was on the show. Uh, one aspect of his performance uh, <laughs> that was written about in an article. But um, my question, my, my question to start off with this for you is um, I was I was looking at the article and I looked at the picture. And because this wasn't the edition that had Regis Philbin, this is the one that had Chris Harrison. And so mm-hmm. I need to know at any point, did he tell you that this was the most dramatic millionaire elimination ever? Uh, he didn't use those words, but he definitely had things like rarefied air or anything. And I've never, I've never seen The Bachelor, even, so I probably should have watched a little of that in prep because they're going to sneak questions in about the host and so forth. But uh, he was definitely, he definitely keeps that presence that exactly like you would think of from a show like that. Uh, he's also standing real close to you mm. all the time. Like uh, if you watch, if you remember the Regis era, and in fact the uh, the current uh, charity one that's running right now. Uh, on primetime with Jimmy Kimmel uh, has the seats where you're probably about 10 or 15 feet away. Mm. So you're looking into a screen. It's much more isolated and solitary. Mm. In this thing, you're standing up and Chris Harrison is four feet away from you, <laughs> staring right into your eyes. And and he is a handsome gentleman. So it gets distracting very quickly. <laughs> yeah, by, by the way, uh, my, my wife my wife said I had to ask you that question because she, she loves The Bachelor and... <laughs> I like like many married people. I I know it exists. Um, it appear it, it apparently is on like a continuous cycle where one one season the Bachelor ends and then the next week the new Bachelorette begins and then they have Bachelor yep. in Paradise and then they have like Bachelors in Space and then like it's just like a year round cycle that just serves to torment me every week basically. Do they actually have Bachelors in Space? Because I would watch the crap out of that. <laughs> they don't, but they should. Mm. We can talk after. We can make this work. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they've got a lot of room to grow in their franchise, and that's the place to start. (laughs) I mean, this is always this is a good idea for the draft. Still, (laughs) NHL draft edition, just keeping the dream alive out here. (laughs) I don't know if either of you have seen um, the Minnesota State Hockey Tournament. 
but one of the big features they have, and I think this shows up on ESPN, is the annual uh, the flow contest mm. or the sal or salad off, or they got yes. a few different names for it. But but that where they've got they capture uh, every time you have a starting lineup for one of these high school teams, they skate in and they show off. I, you can't watch you and the podcast can't watch me fl- do a hair flip because yeah. I have far less than they do <laughs> in Minnesota in Minnesota with these glorious. Uh, tops that they got there uh but one of these features that they they collect from it for the sake of keeping it for later is the is is the salad and it's uh it's excellent i mean there's just no beating it uh for for that level of pageantry to get it out of the way quickly because it's a year's worth of training snapped off in five seconds (laughs) oh my god yeah now i i have seen that or i I think i've seen clips from it um Mm -hmm. and yeah like like it almost it almost is like a parody of itself. Um, like it seems like it should be like a Key and Peele sketch. Like when oh, they yeah. did like the uh, you know the, the the NFL or was it NFL draft players? Oh, or the names. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. college football, college all stars, yeah. East West All Star games. <laughs> oh my gosh! Um, and yeah, Elon Musk has topped them all. So uh, yeah, go him, uh, Sarah. Do you have a do you, Do you have any kind of um, affinity for trivia background in trivia just like either you know bar trivia or watching on television or, or anything like that i am pretty much a never trivia ever i was on the very renowned uh, central pennsylvania wgal local broadcast show brain busters <laughs> which is a high school quiz bowl show that i was on kind of by accident didn't we didn't study for it we just kind of showed up and the host it made me think of it because the host wore so much makeup and he was also a close stander and it was really distracting just to see that he was caked in (laughs) concealer and that was and the the lights are pretty bright so his face was kind of melting the whole time so really my experience with trivia is watching this short host have his face just slowly melt during like a one-hour local tv show (laughs) So it's funny. The one thing that they tell you before you go on a show like this is watch for the lights because it's like I, this is my first time on television like this. I mean, I'd been, I guess, interviewed in a couple of places, but never quite like everyone in the country could potentially see me if they turn on at the right time, even mm-hmm. if it's two in the morning. And uh, people, I know a lot of people who've been on Jeopardy and other shows, and they always say it's just very different to be there. You don't, you know, get used to the idea of being in the spotlight, literally. Mm-hmm. And uh they do a test beforehand just to make sure that you're going to light up right. And the, state, the studio, it, um, turns out, is very cold because mm. um, they have to keep it very cold for the sake of equipment and the fact that you've got 100 people coming in to watch the taping of this. And the Millionaire Stadium, uh, stadium Millionaire's <laughs> taping was in, uh, was in Las Vegas. Mm. So it's already going to be very hot. We taped in, at the end of July. Uh, so they're keeping this thing like a refrigerator, this big tent that was next to the Bally's uh, casino. And uh, I remember dur- just during the, the testing, I'm stepping into where the location was, and I look up, and suddenly it's like like a UFO's coming down, the, just the amount of light uh, staring me in the face. and think, okay, how am I ever going to play this game like this? <laughs> and it turned out to be really helpful because that light wasn't nearly as bright during the actual taping because they had other ones that were, that were on. I was like, oh, that isn't so bad. So it was like I'd been broken in a little bit and prepared for it, just having been um, in that position beforehand to get me used to it. And it really helped kind of cool me off and make sure that I wasn't going to freeze up at all. Because it happened to at least a couple of people uh, taping that same, that same week that I was there where they were just they could not say a word under the lights. They were just completely uh, freaked out by the experience. Wow. Yeah, I, um, 
I, I have a tangential Jeopardy experience. Uh, my uncle uh, was on Jeopardy when I was young. Um, uh-huh. And I remember he wrote he wrote like a like an article for it in like I think it was like the Hartford Current because he he lived in like uh, Farmington, Connecticut, up near Hartford. Um, and I was always the type of person where like I, I like I'd always watch Jeopardy. I always played it. I I owned a a video game version of Jeopardy. Uh, I forget what what I forget if it was like a console or something. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And the thing I, I had mentioned your your talk at Ritzak. And the the thing I loved about it is obviously we always like we always like hearing things uh, that basically tell us that we were right about something. And <laughs> <laughs> like you know when I was growing up, like um, you know I'd be watching Jeopardy, and obviously it totally depends on the category. But you know a, a decent amount of the categories, like I would know the vast majority of the answers. Now, number one, I'm sitting at home, I'm not there, I don't have to worry about the buzzer. It's like light years different. But you know, like you know, I was pretty decent and. You know, sometimes somebody would ask me, like, how do you remember all this stuff? And I was like, well, there's really only a couple things they ever ask for one thing. Like, if it's a Chinese ruler, it's either Mao Zedong or Chiang Kai-shek, like, almost mm-hmm. every time. Uh, right. You know, and in your um, in your presentation, you talked a lot, a lot about that. So, obviously, um, I'll, I'll find a uh, – I'm sure there's a link to that. I can put it in the podcast article or the show notes. Um but, you know, can you give us, like, just a, a, a basic gist of what you talked about? Like, just basically the idea of, like, there is a way to prepare for these things rather than just get every book you ever written and read everything. <laughs> you know, you know, there, there is a strategy that you can employ. Yeah. So there's at least a few things that uh, people have noticed over the time. And one of those is that you have those same themes. Like, you're looking for uh, some hint in the clue that's really telling you what you should be looking for. And the rest is flavor. It's to keep you entertained. So uh, you, you reading blah, 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 this first president of the U.S. or, or, <laughs> or, or so forth or some nickname like that, blah, 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 blah. It's like, oh, who is George Washington should pop into your mind. And people who study this for a lot longer and more intensely than me uh, have called these Pavlovs because the idea is like when you see this thing, a bell sh- it's like a bell should go off and you should start drooling because <laughs> you, you've been prompted already to, watch, to be signaled for this particular indicator. So one of the things that is really nice about the community in general is there's a lot of nerds out there who've gone to the trouble of indexing uh, definitely every Jeopardy episode that's aired in the last 16 years. And also a fair amount before that as well from, from VHS tapes and, and collections. Mm-hmm. So uh, the community, I believe one of the first founding archivists was Ken Jennings' dad. Oh. Because it started up right around the same time that his episodes aired. Mm-hmm. And uh, so he's one of the people who had contributed to that. And the, all the founders listed it's at j-archive.com. Mm-hmm. Um, they have this whole collection of, of questions, probably about 360,000 at this point over... Uh, 30, well, the, the current version of the show has been on since 1984. Uh, and then there's definitely everything since 2004 and it's mattering before that. So uh, one of the things you can do if you're, um, if you're, um, if you promise not to, you know, sell that information elsewhere or be unscrupulous with it. I mean, the terms of, uh, the, there is no, uh, strong statement saying you can't scrape it, but you should really be respectful. You're not, not going to resell it. But yeah. a lot of people, um, for academic purposes, have taken this data and then done with it as they will, uh, including me. And so what you can do is you can go through and look for those key phrases, like uh, this, like uh, in particular things like Tar Heel State. Hmm. So you have things that are known, unique one-off phrases. And so if you ever see Tar Heel 
you know that North Carolina is either going to be the answer or the University of North Carolina is going to be the answer. So, and then North, you can just say North Carolina, it should be good enough for both. Yeah. So there's a lot of those that if you see them, a lot of people will be familiar with them, but a lot are, are things that are subtler. Like, um, one of the things that surprised me on the top 10 list, and this appears in the talk is, uh, the, just the instance of quantum theory. And it seems like a really wide universe of things that could apply when you're looking at quantum theory. There's a lot of scientists who've gone into it, but almost every time the expression has been used on the show, the answer is Max Planck, <laughs> and for whatever reason. It's just like it, that, that's the connection that's been made. It's the, the way the writers have chosen to do it, or it's the, the biggest, uh, easiest way to remember he is the father of quantum theory, and he, he was one of the first people to do it, obviously, which yeah. is why, not, maybe not obviously, it's, it's one of the first people to do it, which is why it may be why he's chosen as, as the question base for that. So a lot of people have gone to a lot of trouble to go through and find instances of those that are that they believe are are connected to it, and uh, you can do that with data driven methods directly, or you can you can just read a lot on the subject because uh, plenty of people just do that; they just read books and stuff sticks with them. But the other part of it that uh, that came up, like, at least for me, through all my pieces of studying, was the idea that you're trying to make things as sticky as possible, and an expression like that might be a pretty good signal. Like you have, uh, like you might not remember Tar Heel State is North Carolina unless you've drilled it into your head ten or so times. But if there's some other connection that bridges it for you, some um, something kind of triangular to to kind of make the connection that stick, to put it in your mind and make it stickier, then that's a thing that can definitely um, stay in your mind a little bit better. So if the connection when you when you're thinking Tar Heel is that Michael Jordan is on the floor and he's trying to lift up his, his shoe and it, it, it looks like there's tar and he's sticking to the floor. That's a very graphic visual image that's going to stick in your mind a lot better than just the, the words themselves. And if you remember that Michael Jordan played at North Carolina before uh, starting his pro career, then you've, already, you've instantly made that connection that's going to be very – it's going to stick in your memory a lot better than it would have otherwise. So the um, – the principle for studying here is, is not just coming up with things that are going to connect you to the answer. It's things that you're going to connect you to the answer with, that you only have to learn and try and remember once or twice at best. Cool. I feel like someday my life is going to depend on knowing where the Tar Heels are. And I'm going to be like, <laughs> if this is a movie, I'd be flashing back to this conversation and be like, oh, I got it. I'm saving the earth on this one. <laughs> so, tri trivia people talk about the slumdog effect. That's exactly what it is. There's something that's stuck in your mind because it happened in your life. And I will say without shame that a, a shocking amount of my trivia knowledge has been pinned or stuck in my mind because of Golden Age Simpsons. <laughs> There's just no, no more effective show with the density of information they have and the visual... Uh, well, the visual brilliance of that of that show and before they went to computer animation in particular is just so good that not just me, but a lot of people, of my, trivia lovers of my generation, are just completely stuck on it. Man, yeah. I mean, I, I grew yeah. I mean, I grew up watching The Simpsons all the time too. Um, yeah. Now, um, I I have tried before to I've, I've tried like the jeopardy online test you know like a couple times and it is really hard like it seems like it's harder than the regular show is that true because it that's what it seems like i think it is i mean they designed it to try and be to try and weed out people like obviously you're trying to get it down to a smaller pool and I, from what i heard 
or read years ago was that they were trying to get clues that were comparable to the, the bottom two rows, like the $801,000 okay. questions in single and uh, sixteen and 2000 in double. And I don't know how, how strongly that holds, but there aren't as many just obvious um, make-you-feel-good-about-getting-the-answer-right <laughs> questions that a lot of the easier ones are. Because Je- Jeopardy and most quiz shows are entertainment. Yeah. They're, they're meant to make you feel good about knowing things, which is, personally, we could use a lot more of that in the world in general. <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> But I know for the test, um, they've gone to the trouble of not just trying to make things that are hard, but trying to do things that are fully rep- that are representative of a lot of different pieces. Yeah. So you'll get you'll get a lot of variety. Like you'll get movie questions, music, history, a little bit of sports. It's actually one of the dirtiest uh, secrets that uh, Jeopardy people in in general are not great at sports questions. Oh yeah. For 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 whatever reason, and uh, it, probably because it's just a different area of study than a lot of people are used to. But uh, they may also just be selecting on the fact that there are other shows and other things that are good for sports. Like uh, Dan Patrick used to host Sports Jeopardy hmm. for a few years. And technically, it might even still be officially in production, but I don't think they've released an episode for a while. I have watched that show, and I would stink at it. <laughs> and I work in sports. I mean, I, I think that, yeah, I think there is, like, a classic example where it was, like, basically the answer was, like, Wayne Gretzky, and, like, somebody said, like, Michael Jordan or something. It was something like that, where it was, like, such an obvious slam dunk answer and they just got it like the wrong sport <laughs> it's well it's the, the i i've also come to the practice and especially having been on the mm-hmm. show that unless someone is doing something obnoxiously like off like grandstanding or something like that i'm never going to blame anybody for not knowing anything on the mm-hmm. show and a lot of it's just because you don't know what it's like until you've been under those lights yeah. and sometimes you're picking up on one part of a clue Okay, it's, uh, picture this as well. Like, I'm in a room right now where I'm probably 15 feet away from the door. Uh, and, and 20 feet away, I can see a, a painting, but I know what that painting looks like. If you're on, you're on the stage, and you're looking at TV screens that are maybe 40 feet away. I'm ballparking. You can see there's pictures of sets in a few places. Uh, and then there's a TV screen that's there that's showing you the pictures. If you're trying to go to look at that screen... It's not the same as if you're trying to look watch from home where the TVs are much closer. So anytime you're, you're trying to see someone's face, it's a lot tougher than you think mm. it is. Same thing for just trying to read what's on the screen or listen to Alex talk. It's difficult unless you're pra- well-practiced at it. Even then, it's still going to be mm. tough. So there's an occasion that you're, you're catching in on one word, like greatest of all time or something like that. And, and maybe your brain is in one place because you were just answering another question about basketball. Mm. And, suddenly my, and, and, and then Michael Jordan comes into your brain. Um, it just happens. Yeah. Uh, but that's not nearly as funny as when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar uh, got his own question, <laughs> got his own name wrong in a celebrity <laughs> game, uh, from a, because it was about a question when he was on airplane, and it was uh, it was his line that from the movie that he messed up, <laughs> and uh, that that's a little bit different because it's something that happened to you. You might have a better recollection than some other piece of trivia. Yeah. It's like I always feel like if if by some miracle I ever made it on the show and I haven't even like done the test in a long time, um, like I don't think I would do that well. I think I would be okay, but like I I have no delusion that I'd be like oh I'm amazing. Like I probably wouldn't be like Wolf Blitzer on Celebrity Jeopardy bad, but oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, like that's um, oh and, and also the the one the one wrong answer like my favorite wrong answer it will always be my favorite wrong answer on Jeopardy is the Ken Jennings uh, ho because I, that is technically as as correct. Said, I mean, that's gonna be the that one. is correct. I think he should have gotten that. It's not technically it correct isn't? because they're spelled differently. 
because 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 first of all, there was a dictionary definition. Uh, okay. Uh, and I'm gonna look up the que- I'm gonna look up the question right okay. now. But it was asking for an immoral pleasure seeker. Yeah. This garden implement is it can be uh, is a hominin or is a yeah homonym for an immoral pleasure seeker. Yeah. And technically, ho does not follow that, but it, it was it was hysterically <laughs> yeah. funny. Uh, and it was also spelled differently because I'm pretty sure ho in that context is spelled H O as opposed to H O E. I've seen it spelled uh, both ways. <laughs> okay, I, I I had never seen the garden implement spelled the other way, yeah. so maybe it's just that. But it was a hysterically funny moment of television, and if he'd lost on it, it would have been a different story. But uh, <laughs> but admittedly, my brain went there too before hearing about it. So that's why. <laughs> yeah, for the ages. There was a. Uh, I was just saying that some of the funnier ones can come up in Final Jeopardy as well, especially when you've, like, if it's a contestant who's already locked in a win, or they have no idea what they're doing. And uh, the college tournament a couple of years ago was won by uh, an MIT student. So I was, uh, I'm an MIT grad, so I was naturally proud. And uh, for her final Jeopardy uh, on the, uh, to finish it off, she, uh, she wrote, I don't even remember exactly what it was, but it was, uh, what is the spiciest <laughs> meme lord? Knowing that it, yeah. that it was going to be self-fulfilling. <laughs> uh, I just thought it was a wonderfully placed uh, moment and I, i'm sure something has anybody ever that. done um like you know somebody who who has guaranteed a win going into final jeopardy has anybody ever done in real life the the sean connery celebrity jeopardy things like like any of those things where he like draws a picture or like something ridiculous like that uh yeah i know people have had fun with it but i i think and i know that at least one point buzzy cohen i'm pretty sure <laughs> wrote suck at trebek uh for one of his answers uh, or, or, or did le- definitely leaned into the Sean Connery angle, and uh, I don't know what Alex Trebek thought of that, but I know that the viewership definitely enjoyed it. Oh man. Um, okay, so um, we are going to take our second break, and when we come back, we have a trivia game. So don't go anywhere. And we are back. So um, I said before the break that we are going to play a trivia game, and we will. Uh, if you are a longtime for sure listener, or if you've been listening for a little bit, uh, you probably heard these games. Uh, I, I kind of make them up sometimes to torment Jay because he likes to second guess himself, and he uh, he works himself into fits of thinking that I am trying to trick him, which of course I am, but I also know that he knows that I'm trying to trick him. Um, and so basically they are, they, they are typically glorified education, uh, educated guessing games as opposed to trivia games, but we'll see what happens. Um, so uh, this one is in honor of um, one of the reasons that um, Andrew's appearance on Millionaire, uh, you know, got so many views was uh, his dancing. Uh, if you if you look at the article, like basically if you Google Andrew Thomas millionaire, uh, it's the first thing that comes up and they have gifts and stuff. And I thought it was amazing. I, I loved it. Um, I thought it was great. Um, and so do my coworkers. <laughs> yeah, I can just imagine. Um, that's oh, my God. <laughs> I'm, I'm just imagining was, I'm, like was... in Slack, like, you know, it's like people put in the gifts. Well, they say you should try and stay as relaxed as possible, and you got to celebrate getting an answer right just to, you know, feel like you're in the groove. And, of course, camera's right on it, and Chris Harrison chooses to react to that. So, of course, <laughs> the social media people at the Wild are going to jump on that one as soon as it happens. <laughs> yeah. I think that I think that was awesome. 
Um, so in honor of that, I have put together a, um, a quiz that is partially based on dancing. So the title of this is, if you're not in third position, you could miss the playoffs. Um, I couldn't figure out a way to fit plie into like a pun title. So, um, so basically, uh, you will have two options. I, I will, uh, we will alternate. I will read you a name. Um, and the person is either a dance, a ballet dancer in a Russian ballet company. Um, so they may or may not be Russian, but they are, they are a dancer in Russia. Uh, the other category is I didn't want to go too recent because I thought that might be, you know, you probably remember. So I went back to the 2010 under 18 world championship Russian hockey team. Oh boy. Uh, I also eliminated anybody I recognize. So, for example, I will not be <laughs> asking you about Evgeny Kuznetsov right? or Nikita Nesterov. Um, so, uh, also, Vasilevsky was on that team, too. All right. And Nemestikov. Okay. So, now, now you probably understand why I said it's basically a glorified educated guessing game. <laughs> um, you might know some of these. I don't know. Um, okay. So, um, let's see. Andrew, you are a guest, so I'm going to go to you first. All right, let's do it. It is very simple. It is just one point each. That's it. Okay, so the first one is Evgeny Bulanov. Evgeny Bulanov. I'm going to st- – so these are all going to be male men's names, I'm sure. Yes, they're be all too men. easy if you, may na- if you name women in there. Exactly. Uh, prob- probably. Yes. Uh, I, I'm, I'm going to go uh, – I'm going to try and uh, Batman this out. So we got <laughs> – we got Bulanov. Mm-hmm. Uh, sounds like I don't know. It's going to be offensive if I say it sounds like Stroganov, but that's the best I've got for this. <laughs> so you, you'll, you'll pardon my ignorance there. Uh, Stroganov is delicious. It's it's got sauce. Sauce <laughs> is what happens on a shot. Therefore, he's a hockey player. Um, I, I I love the thinking, but you are wrong. Ah! Unfortunately, <laughs> uh, yes. Some of these uh, they had um, uh, like little profiles. So for some of the ballet dancers, I have a little bit of information on them. Uh, but for them, he just had a name. He didn't even have a profile, but he was on the page, right? There's like about, I don't know, 40 dancers. So, um, all, right. all right, Sarah, here we go. Okay. Alexi Zuev. Alexi Zuev. Zuev. Uh, let's see. I'm trying to, I'm trying to compare. Let's see. Zuev. It's like a zoo. <laughs> cast of animals. The swan. Swan Lake. He's a dancer. That is correct. Oh. <laughs> never, never mess with the Batman rule. I'm going to say, like, this This reasoning it out is going to be my favorite part of the whole thing. It's going to make it worth it. Um, he is a prize winner of three all-Russia ballet competitions. Yeah. Oh, wow. All right. Andrew, you are up. Um, Stefan Stepanov. Well, I mean... You can't even Batman that right right off. He's not if he's not stepping enough. He's not a good enough dancer. So therefore, he's a hockey player. That is correct. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I I did pick that one because it said step and like you know dance step etc. Um, okay. Okay. Uh, Sarah, here we go. Evgeny Svetlitsa. Let me make sure I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, Svetlitsa. Yeah. Evgeny Svetlitsa. Hmm. See now I, I can't. There's no nothing I can really get out of that name. But I have to do the like. <laughs> could every answer on the Scantron really be five C's in a row? Because <laughs> <laughs> you're a teacher, so you're crafty. Uh, uh, yes. I'm gonna say that he's also a dancer. He is yeah. a dancer. 
He, uh, according to their profile, he exquisitely dances the role of Prince Siegfried in the new production of Swan oh. Lake. It's because I had that yeah. Swan Lake from last time, so it was in yep. my it was exactly, in my mind. Right? <laughs> Got to keep it in. Okay. Oh yeah, there we go. I uh, I for a second I forgot to eliminate the ones I've already said. Um, okay, Andrew, here we go. Daniil Applekoff. Trying to remember if I actually did hear his name uh, as part of the World Juniors, but Applekov. Uh, I, I mean, apples are a hockey word right there. You got your cookies, you got your apples. I got to go, hockey player. That is All right. correct. <laughs> All right. So right now, uh, Andrew has two. Sarah has two, but uh, Sarah has one question in hand. Oh, this is stressful right. as a shootout, man. <laughs> I know. Uh, now, just so you know, there will be five total for each people, or each person. There, there are ten total names. They are not necessarily even evenly divided. If you're if you're playing along. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, Sarah, here we go. I don't know how to pronounce this first name. Uh, I'm gonna guess it's either Ephim or Ephim. It's E F I M, and the last name is Gherkin. Uh, G U R K I N. Hmm. I hope it's Ephim. <laughs> That's funny. So be like, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. F-em. Uh, I, yeah oh, F-em. I don't think you'd say that to a dancer. Be like, oh, F him. He sucks. <laughs> he can't even plie. So we're gonna say that he's a hockey player. That is correct. <laughs> <laughs> He's okay, on are, fire. They're... No matter what, I am walking I away with my head held high because I, <laughs> I didn't go over over five. Yeah. Okay, Andrew. Here we go. Um, Amal Kolikov. Amal oh, Kolikov. Uh, no, nobody in hockey ever calls their shots quite like in other sports. So I'm going to go dancer. That is correct. Yeah. Yeah, I picked that one because Kolikov to me sounds like a very very hockey name. Oh, like yeah. Kulikov? Or yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sarah, here we go. Roman Burdnikov. Roman Burdnikov. Yep. Hmm. See, Bird, that could go another Swan Lake thing, so I'm gonna I'm gonna reverse it and do the like Kuznetsov bird, and we're gonna say he's a hockey player. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Peter, you're shocked right now, aren't you, that we're doing <laughs> that we're doing we're, so well? We're, we're doing well below, well above what the flip coin would should say we're doing. Yeah, I mean, the the, the thing about this that that I always say is that um, it's all about the entertainment. So if getting them right is funny, then great. If getting them wrong is funny, that's fine too. <laughs> um, okay. Oh come on, sorry. There we go. Okay. Uh, all right, Andrew. One more. Let's see. I got two left. Okay, I will give you this one. Mikhail Avcharov. It's either Avcharov or Ovcharov. Uh, yeah, O-V-C-H-A-R-O-V. Avcharov. Yeah. Okay, so there's the, he's, he's got some char in him. He's got some heat. He's got some fire. Firebird's a ballet. Therefore, he's a ballerina. <laughs> yes. Yes. That is correct. <laughs> um, he is the international ballet phenomenon that you won't soon forget, which apparently is true. Apparently not. Or apparently yes. so. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sarah, this is it. Oh, God. For the, win, is... for the win. Yeah, for the win. The stakes, or the stakes or, are so or a tie, low. and you both win. <laughs> the stakes yeah. are so low, but I'm so nervous. <laughs> <laughs> now, remember, you have to answer in the form of a question. Okay. Um, Albert Gerulin. Albert. 
what kind of a ballet dancer would be named Albert? <laughs> We're going to say he's a hockey player. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yes. And, and uh, for the record, that was five dancers and five uh, hockey players. It was. It, it, it's not. I don't always do that. This is okay. the best performance by a Red Wing all season. <laughs> <laughs> um, if anybody's interested, I got the names from the Russian Ballet Theater, which you can find at RussianBalletTheater.com. Although I will say, um, especially you know, if you're a guy and you're worried that you might have put on a little bit of weight in quarantine, you definitely don't want to see like one of these dancers because he looks <laughs> like the Solo Flex ad where you can see every single muscle in his body. Um, and it's quite intimidating, uh, but good for him. That's great. Uh, <laughs> All right. Well, th- thank you. Thank you to the ballet for providing us with that entertainment. That was glorious. And, and to you, Peter. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Um, uh, every time I make those, I'm always a little nervous that people are going to be like, ah, oh, this is dumb. But I. Um, you clearly don't wondering... spend enough time around trivia people because we're, we eat this <laughs> stuff up. If you're wondering if like 90% of the reason I do this is so I can come up with a pun name, you are probably correct. Uh-huh. Uh, that is definitely my, my, my favorite part of it. Um, all right. So um, we're going to we're going to wrap up there. But obviously, we want to say thank you so much uh, to Andrew for coming. Uh, just a reminder, if you didn't uh, hear it before, um, if you want to uh, follow him on Twitter, you can do it. AC Thomas CA. Uh, definitely lots of good stuff there. Um and uh, like I said, if you want to see the dancing, you can find it pretty easily. It is very entertaining. I, I very much enjoyed it. Um, so thanks a lot for stopping by. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. For sure. 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 For sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure.